Hello, everyone. Welcome to Amplitude's third quarter 2021 earnings webcast. I'm Jason Starr, Amplitude's Vice President of Investor Relations. Joining me are Spencer Skates, CEO and co-founder of Amplitude, and Wang Vung, the company's Chief Financial Officer. During today's call, management will make forward-looking statements, including statements regarding our financial outlook for the fourth quarter and full year 2021, the expected performance of our products, our expected quarterly and long-term growth, accelerated investments, and our overall future prospects. These forward-looking statements are based on current information, assumptions, and expectations, and are subject to risks and uncertainties, some of which are beyond our control, that could cause actual results to differ materially from those described in these statements. Further information on the risks that could cause actual results to differ is included in our filings with the Security and Exchange Commission. You are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements, and we assume no obligation to update these statements after today's call, except as required by law. Certain financial measures used on today's call are expressed on a non-GAAP basis. We use these non-GAAP financial measures internally to facilitate analysis of our financial and business trends and for internal planning and forecasting purposes. These non-GAAP financial measures have limitations and should not be used in isolation from or as a substitute for financial information prepared in accordance with GAAP. A reconciliation between these GAAP and non-GAAP financial measures is included in our earnings press release, which can be found on our investor relations website at investors.amplitude.com. With that, I'll hand the call over to Spencer. Awesome. Thank you, Jason, and good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you all for joining us on our first earnings call since our direct listing in September. Uh, I'm really excited to give everyone here uh, the latest updates uh, since, uh, since we went public. Uh, we're proud of the business that we built, and I, I'm really looking uh, forward to the conversation. Uh, so I'm going to start today's discussion with an overview of our Q3 financial performance, uh, and then I'll also have a refresher on our business model, market opportunity, and digital optimization system. I'm also going to review the traction that we saw with customers in a quarter. I'm really excited to share some stories there as they use Amplitude to drive their product strategy, growth, and, and, uh, and business overall. Uh, I'll conclude with an update uh, on some new initiatives that we're doing this quarter, including a partnership and integration with Snowflake, uh, the launch of our first annual product report, and the opening of our EU data center. I'll then turn it over to our CFO, Wong, who's going to walk through our financials in detail and provide guidance for Q4 and the full year 2022. All right, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, Amplitude had a good third quarter, reflecting the rapid acceleration of the digital world uh, and great execution by our team. Revenue grew 72% year-on-year to 45.5 million, uh, stronger than expected, and showcasing the strength and customer adoption of digital optimization. Uh, we had several new uh, notable customer wins, which I'll go into in a little bit. Existing customer demand for Amplitude was also strong, with expanding customer usage and solid traction with our new products recommend and experiment. Uh, this was further demonstrated by a, a dollar-based net retention rate of 121%, uh, which improved uh, 200 basis points year-on-year. Year. Uh, before diving further into results, uh, as many folks here are new to Amplitude's story, I wanted to provide some additional background on our business, products, and market opportunity. Our vision at Amplitude is to help every company uh, build better products through data. We are pioneering a new category of software called digital optimization, which connects product data directly to the business. Companies have spent the last decade transforming their business with digital products. And today, digital products don't just support the business, they, they are the business. The most successful companies are using product data to drive growth, revenue, and competitive advantage. So the last decade of digital transformation was all about IT transformation, reinventing the back office. 
The next era of digital transformation is about digital optimization, accelerating innovation and growth for digital products. Digital optimization transforms product strategy from an intuition-based process to a data-driven one. It uses event data to understand every behavior or action taken in the product, discover which behaviors drive better business outcomes, and answer the strategic questions, how do our digital products drive our business? As digital products have become a core business driver, the revenue center within companies is shifting from the sales and marketing functions to the product organization. This sea change is resulting in the growing trend of product-led organizations and the rise of the chief product officer within the C-suite. Organizations that are realizing are, excuse me, organizations are realizing that to connect with their customers, operationalize around product event data, and make better strategic decisions, they need a digital optimization system like Amplitude. Similar to how Salesforce became the system of record for sales organizations and Adobe became the system of record for marketing, we believe that Amplitude can become the system of record for product, representing a $37 billion market opportunity. We've recognized from the start that data should drive business outcomes. Our digital optimization system is the cockpit to manage, measure, and optimize the business value of digital product innovation. Our system helps product, data, engineering, design, marketing, and customer teams to leverage self-serve analytics, adapt products based on user behavior, and experiment to create impactful experiences for customers. The Amplitude Digital Optimization System brings together a new depth of customer understanding with speed of action to optimize experiences. We have three products that operate as an integrated solution. The first is Amplitude Analytics. Amplitude Analytics provides teams with fast, self-service insights into customer behavior and is the number one ranked product analytics solution according to G2. I'm pleased to announce that we continue to hold our number one leadership position in the G2 fall report, which was released in September. The second product is Amplitude Experiment, which was launched in Q2 of this year. It is an integrated end-to-end experimentation solution that enables teams to deliver impactful product experiences for their customers through A-B tests and controlled feature releases. The third product is Amplitude Recommend, also released in Q2 of this year. It is a no-code personalization solution that helps teams increase customer behavior, uh, excuse me, increase customer engagement by intelligently adapting digital products and campaigns to every user based on their behavior. We believe there are several attributes that make the Amplitude digital optimization system unique. First, the Amplitude Behavioral Graph is a proprietary user-oriented database that we built from the ground up to support the real-time interactive queries that power our suite of applications. Existing databases are unable or struggle to answer questions about our user journey due to the sophistication of modern digital products and the complexity of user behaviors across devices and channels. By partitioning the data on a per-user basis, the Behavioral Graph allows customers to quickly answer complicated questions about their user journey provides novel approaches to normalizing, classifying, and partitioning behavioral data, and is a fundamentally new way of joining and making sense of complex end user and product data. The second differentiator is that we offer a vertically integrated SaaS application that gives actionable insights for non-technical users. Customers can construct complex queries through a simple point and click interface to rapidly answer complex behavioral questions about their customer's journey and their product experience. Users also don't need to be technical or NoSQL to answer these questions, which enables a more cross-functional usage and data democratization across the teams. 
It also has powerful collaboration tools built in to allow these teams to share insights for added visibility and productivity to drive more positive business outcomes. A final critical differentiator of the Amplitude Digital Optimization System is the breadth and depth of our integrations across the technology ecosystem. We take a neutral approach to helping customers export their customer event data into our system. We ingest data through customer data platforms or CDPs, our own SDK and data warehouses. What I'm excited to announce today is that we announced, we launched a new product integration in partnership with Snowflake. We're combining the power of digital optimization with Snowflake's data cloud. Starting today, anyone who uses Snowflake can become an Amplitude customer in just a few clicks. Our bi-directional integration joins together Snowflake and Amplitude so their shared customers can break down data silos, enrich customer data sets, and unlock real-time self-service insights. This means every member of an organization can use Amplitude to run lightning-fast queries of Snowflake data on the Amplitude platform. This integration speeds up time to insight from days to minutes, expands data accessibility, and maximizes return on data cloud investments. Making customers successful drives our own success. Our paying customer base continued to expand in the third quarter, increasing 54% year-on-year to 1,417 customers, driven by strong demand for our products from organizations across a variety of sizes, verticals, and digital maturity. Several notable new wins include Macmillan Learning, Trip Actions, Carvana, OfferUp, Nautilus, and Global. We continue to make encouraging progress with the adoption of new products, experiment, and recommend. I'll expand upon a few customer stories from the third quarter to provide additional context of what drove some of these wins and our increasing value to customers. We continue to gain traction with some of the world's biggest brands. In Q3, a Global 100 manufacturer of automobiles, motorcycles, and power equipment selected Amplitude as their digital optimization system, moving away from Adobe Analytics. This company will leverage Amplitude for their core digital products, which allows customers to control and stay connected to their cars from any device wherever they are. With Amplitude, this company will be able to automate and deliver self-serve customer insights to improve customer satisfaction, convert and retain customers, increase revenue, and drive long-term brand loyalty. Another Q3 win is Glovo, one of the world's leading delivery platforms based in Europe, which delivers restaurant, takeout, and groceries to more than 10 million users. In Q3, Glovo choose, chose Amplitude's digital optimization system as part of a seven-figure deal to drive product strategy and move away from a dependency on business intelligence tools to innovate faster. Amplitude will help Glovo gain a competitive edge by rolling out customer improvements faster, retain more customers, deliver customer journey insights, answer questions about conversions, and enable real-time data access for their team. We're also seeing the power of Amplitude's digital optimization system help with customers' critical business goals and enable them to become more product-led. This leads to more expansion and upsells within existing accounts and increasing customer adoption with our new products experiment and recommend. Square, a leading financial services, software, and payments company, continues to, to scale and expand their use of Amplitude. In Q3, they increased access to Amplitude across multiple business units and teams, including engineering, product, marketing, growth, data science, and customer success. These teams can now leverage common insights to make critical decisions. They've also added Amplitude Recommend as part of their analytics strategy to drive growth across the business. Square also uses Amplitude's new integration with Snowflake to empower its teams to better engage, understand, engage, and delight their customers. Another great example of expansion is Smart Recruiters, a global leader in enterprise recruitment software. Smart Recruiters began using Amplitude Starter Edition as part of an analytics improvement initiative driven by their CTO to better understand customer behavior. 
In December of 2020, they became a paying customer of Amplitude, purchasing Amplitude Analytics. This past quarter, smart recruiters also added Amplitude Experiment to learn faster and turn the experience of millions of candidates into a competitive advantage for its customer base of 4,000 companies worldwide. This will include testing different solutions and UIs to provide valuable insights to candidates about the jobs they have applied for and or are planning to apply for and ultimately create a better application experience and increase the chances of hiring for both the candidate and the company. Another great example uh, of an upsell in Q3 is Spirit Air Airlines, a leading airline serving United States, Latin America, and the Caribbean. Spirit Airlines worked with started with Amplitude in 2019 to collect feedback and gain a deeper understanding of user behavior. This year, they wanted to drive traffic to their mobile app to increase revenue, ancillary pur purchases, and mobile check-ins. Through Amplitude, they track what users interact with, investigate and identify issues through user lookup and cohorts, proactively monitor data, data, and track KPIs for executive readouts. Everyone now has access to clear data and actionable insights within seconds, allowing them to make product roadmap decisions faster and prioritize bets for their app updates. Amplitude's insights have helped the team increase flight check-ins on mobile, trending ahead of their end-of-year goal. As a result, Spirit increased their portfolio with an Amplitude through a volume-based upsell in Q3. Beyond these, Q3 re, beyond these Q3 wins, I'm pleased to announce the opening of Amplitude's European Data Center in Frankfurt, Germany. European organizations can now experience the power of Amplitude's number one product analytics solution while storing their customer data within the EU in adherence with local data privacy standards. Amplitude uh, has selected Amazon Web Services to host its data center, given its stringent data privacy and technology standards. Amplitude customers can now achieve product innovation and data privacy compliance at the same time. I'd like to thank everyone at Amplitude and uh, everyone who's involved in the team for completing this important project, which is our testament to our commitment to our customer success and the international growth opportunity ahead. Finally, as we've shared, Amplitude has a unique vantage point into product data that offers insights into product and industry trends. Not only do we enable digital optimization, we can help our customers learn and benchmark from our anonymized aggregated data. To accelerate our customers' product-led journeys, today we launched our inaugural Product Report 2021. We share our insights into COVID's impact on digital behaviors across industries, predict the next hottest products, and demonstrate the evolution of cross-functional data access. Never before have so many digital products been used so frequently. In fact, our data shows the massive acceleration of daily product users. Daily active usage of our product of our customers' digital products has grown 54% since January 2020. I encourage you to read the report and learn more about uh, the market trends going on in the product world. In closing, I'm pleased with our Q3, with our Q3 results and proud of our, our team's continued execution. We're at the beginning of a significant market opportunity and look forward on the opportunity to continue to report on our success in the future. Thanks for your interest in Amplitude, and I'm now going to turn it over to Wong to walk through our financial results. Thanks, Spencer. And thanks again to everyone joining us today. We had a solid third quarter with accelerating revenue growth, customer count, and higher net retention rates. Q3 revenue came in at $45.5 million, representing 72% annual growth and continuing the momentum we're seeing in digital optimization. As we mentioned in our last call, we had some large expansion in Q2 21, along with easier year-over-year -year comp due to the impact of COVID that are contributing to our growth rate. We ended Q3 21 with 1,417 paying customers, an increase of 54% year-over-year versus 51% last quarter, 
continuing the acceleration of customer growth. Overall, our team continues to execute well on our land and expand strategy, improving our dollar-based net retention rate, RNNR, I'm sorry, NRR, to 121% and up 200 basis points both sequentially and year over year. As a reminder, this metric is calculated on a trailing 12-month basis. From a geographic standpoint, Q3 revenue from the U.S. increased 75% year-over-year to $29.6 million, and international revenue increased 68% to $15.9 million. The U.S. was 65% and international 35% of reported revenue versus 64% and 36% in the prior year. Turning to remaining performance obligations are RPO. In Q3, total RPO increased to $152 million up 79% year-over-year. Current RPO increased to $125.9 million, up 66% year-over-year, and represents about 83% of total RPO, providing additional visibility into expected revenue in the quarters ahead. Before turning to gross margins, expenses, and profitability, please note that I'll be discussing non-GAAP results going forward. As a reminder, our GAAP financial results, along with a reconciliation between GAAP and non-GAAP results, can be found in our earning press release and supplemental financial available on our IR website. Gross margin was 71%, consistent with Q3 2020 and the prior quarter. Moving to operating expenses. For Q3, sales and marketing expenses was 19.4 million compared to 11 million last year. This was up 76% year over year and represented 43% of revenue compared to 42% of revenue in Q3 last year. R&D expense in Q3 was $8.6 million compared to $4.8 million last year. This represented approximately 19% of revenue compared to 18% of revenue in Q3 of last year. G&A expense was $6.7 million for the third quarter compared to $3.7 million in the third quarter of last year. G&A was 15% of revenue versus 14% of revenue last year. As a result, loss of operations in the third quarter was 2.3 million compared to a loss of 0.7 million last year. Operating margin of negative 5% to negative 3% in the same period last year. As we, as we accelerate investment for growth, net loss was 2.1 million compared to 0.9 million in the third quarter of 2020. Net loss per share was 5 cents based on 39.3 million shares compared to 3 cents in the third quarter of 2020 based on 25.1 million shares. As a reminder, earning per share is calculated based on the weighted average share count and takes into account preferred stock conversion to common and the RSUs invested upon our direct listing in September. Turning to free cash flow, free cash flow was negative 15.8 million or 35% of revenue compared to positive 1.9 million or 7% of revenue in the third quarter of 2020. Note that Q3 free cash flow also absorbed approximately $10.9 million in direct listing expenses paid in a quarter. Adjusting for this, Q3 2021 free cash flow margin would have been negative 11%. Turning to our balance sheet, our cash and cash equivalent was $317.8 million as of September 30th, 2021, up from $291.1 million in the prior quarter. This increase was primarily due to our Series F financing and employee stock options exercise. As a reminder, company did not raise any capital during our direct listing. Let's now move into our financial expectations for the rest of 2021. Based on these strong third quarter results, 
and the leading indicators that we monitor, we're raising our guidance for the fourth quarter and the rest of fiscal 2021 from our prior guidance. For the fourth quarter of 2021, we now expect revenue to be between 46 and 47 million, representing an annual growth rate of 55% at the midpoint, compared to our earlier implied expectations of 50% growth. We expect non-GAAP operating loss to be between 9.2 and 8.2 million. And we expect non-GAAP net loss per share to be between 8 cents and 7 cents, assuming shares outstanding of approximately 108.5 million. And for the full year of 2021, we now expect revenue to be between 163.8 and 164.8 million, up from our prior expectations of 160 to 162 million, and representing an annual growth rate of 60% at the midpoint. We expect non-GAAP operating loss to be between 18.5 million and 17.5 million, compared to our earlier expectation of a loss of 25 to 23 million. We expect non-GAAP net loss per share to be between 37 and 35 cents compared to prior expectations of a loss of 50 cents to 46 cents and assuming shares outstanding of approximately 51.5 million. Normally, we would not discuss the next fiscal year during our Q3 earning call, but because we provided an outlook before our direct listing, we wanted to affirm our belief that we are well positioned to grow 2022 revenue over 40%. We'll provide more color on our expectations for fiscal year 2022 on our Q4 earning call. But in the meantime, I would like to note that for modeling purpose, and as we shared during our investor day, we're expecting to see significantly increase our investments to build awareness, sales capacity, and products over the next few quarters. In addition, we're planning to do our company kickoff in Q1 2022 and also host our Amplify user conference in Q2 2022 both of which will be in person versus 2021. In total, we expect these investments to increase our non-GAAP operating loss margin to over 20% in fiscal year 2022. We believe we're still in the early stages of our market and want to prudently invest for growth given our product position and strong unit economics. We're looking forward to continuing our discussions with investors and analysts in the quarters ahead and are excited about Amplitude's continued strong momentum and market leadership opportunity in digital optimization. With that, I'll turn it back over to Jason to moderate the Q&A session. Okay, thanks, Wong. Uh, we will now begin the Q&A portion of our webcast with sell-side analysts. And our first question will come from Elizabeth Elliott from Morgan Stanley, followed by Rob Oliver at R.W. Baird. Elizabeth? Elizabeth, if you'll go ahead and unmute yourself and turn on your camera, please. Hi, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you hear me now? Oh, real bad echo, though. Okay. There um, we go. Is that any better? Any better? Any better? Any better? Any better? Any better? Tell you what, why don't we... Uh, Let's go to the next someone else yeah. and we'll come back. Yeah, we'll go to the next question, Elizabeth, and we'll try to pull you in. I'm not sure what's going on there. Okay. 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 So we'll go with uh, Rob Oliver at RW Baird. Rob, if you'll go ahead and unmute yourself and turn your camera on, please. Great. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, it kicked me out and brought me back in. So uh, thanks very much. Appreciate it. Um, 
Uh, and thanks for taking my question. Uh, Spencer, just one, one for you, real, really uh, clearly strong uh, 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 momentum uh, in the core product. But you guys are also seeing uptick now from, from recommend and experiment. And, indeed, you cited some specific, um, you know, customer wins, which were pretty telling. Uh, and um, so it seems like you've gotten a lot of traction in a pretty short time with those products. Um, would love to hear some color around, um, you know, the use cases um, and, you know, what's driving those engagements and uh, what else you're uh, potentially seeing within your customer base in terms of uh, potential engagement with recommend and experiment. And then I had a quick follow-up for Huang. Yeah, so to be clear, it's still very early for both recommend and experiment. Um, this is the first, Q3 is the first full quarter that they've been launched products. And so, um, yeah, still very, very early. I think, you know, we're going to, I'm excited to see, you know, what sort of impact they're going to have in, in 2022 and beyond. Um, I'll, I'll start off with experiment um, and then I'll, I'll talk about recommend. With experiment, it's, that one's really exciting to me. I think you talk to, that's been one that's been requested by our customer base for many, many years at this point. Um, the feedback that we've gotten is that A-B testing and analytics really should be together in the same system. And so, so many customers have developed workarounds for it, tried using third-party tools, um, you know, developed their own in-house tooling to work with Amplitude. And what's exciting to me for this one is that we've just seen, you know, tons of examples of, of companies saying that, hey, you know, let's go ahead and, um, you know, use the experimentation platform. Um, you know, and, and because the, you know, first in terms of just where to test. So knowing, okay, here are the different places that I should look for, um, you know, things that I can test. Second, in terms of wanting to, uh, integrating the results back in your analytics platform. And thirdly, being able to target and cohort your users. So being able to say, Hey, I want to target users only in this geo or, you know, fall under this thing. And so there's just a lot of natural synergies, uh, between AB testing and, and, um, uh, and analytics. And so, you know, definitely really excited about that. I think we're seeing the, the earliest traction happen, uh, in the commercial business because, you know, they're able to, to change their experimentation a lot more quickly. Uh, but we're still, we're seeing enterprise wins as well. And that's, that's exciting on, on, on both fronts. Um, on the recommend front, um, uh, that's, um, you know, that's an upgrade of our product that we had, a product that we had earlier called Engage, uh, where we could actually deploy cohorts of users. Um, one of the really interesting things uh, about that one is that you can do smart recommendations on a per customer basis. So, hey, depending on what they've previously done, uh, being able to say, okay, hey, I think they're going to be really interested in this feature or this promotion, or if I send them a notification that looks like this, they're going to get a lot, of, a lot of value out of that. Um, it tends to be the, we have two different flavors of it, what we call level one and level two. Um, so we've seen a lot of adoption of kind of the basic version and then a few sophisticated teams uh, embrace the more advanced version that has some of the ML models and, and stuff like that. Um, so really excited about those. Um, but again, to be clear, you know, those are just launched, you know, in Q2. We're only still, I've only seen one quarter of results from those, uh, but really excited about, um, you know, how these have brought us into a full suite of products beyond uh, just the analytics, which we've always been known for. Yeah, it's exciting. Jason, thanks for allowing me a very quick follow-up. Huang, uh, just, just um, you know, the, the NRR, Huang, broke out. You guys have been operating that in a fairly tight range, and it uh, it's, you know, broken out nicely here. And um, obviously trailing metric, but I assume that um, that's, you know, more about just volume in increases in analytics and cross-sell there 
than it to upsell there than it is on cross selling the products. But you know, now that we are starting to see, and again, it's early, but now that we are starting to see that cross sell motion, uh, you know, work, is that a trend we can expect to perhaps continue in terms of of that NRR? Thanks, guys. Yeah, Rob, I, I think you know, if we look at the kind of medium long term, we see opportunity to grow net retention rate, both not just from extension, as you mentioned, with both volume upsell, but what we call consider a horizontal upsell where you're selling to different use cases or additional business unit and product line inside of the company. And then obviously the addition of recommendation, recommend and experiment, as you just mentioned, that, that just gives us additional firepower to go after our existing base. And so the combination of those strengths that we're seeing, um, along with, you know, we mentioned in Q2, we had some really great expansion. And then you coming off of some quarters that, that, uh, you know, had, let's say less, you know, more churn coming from SMB and other from COVID, uh, is why we're seeing the, the increase in that retention rate. And we're, we're, you know, our goal is to try to maintain that and, and keep that well above 120. Thanks again. Great. Okay, we're actually going to try and go back to uh, Elizabeth Elliott with uh, Morgan Stanley, and then we'll uh, circle. Uh, we'll go next to uh, Taylor McGinnis at UBS afterwards. So, Elizabeth, hopefully you're out there in better sound quality. Great. Can you guys hear me now a little bit better? Yeah, we can. Great. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much. Um, so it was great to kind of see the, the Snowflake integration. Um, can you just provide a little color on, you know, how does this expand the data sets that you guys can ingest into Amplitude? And what's the opportunity to, for it to accelerate kind of the new customers coming to the platform? Yeah, I, I think getting data into Amplitude is the biggest challenge uh, from a customer standpoint today. You need dedicated resources. You need engineers to, to build out that data pipeline. You need categorized in a taxonomy. So we have a whole process that, that we help companies uh, do that with. Um, the exciting thing about the Snowflake integration is it makes that process a lot faster for customers who already have their data in Snowflake. Uh, one of the really interesting things we've seen with Snowflake is the most predominant use case is actually to put product data into Snowflake. And so, you know, given how widespread, uh, a, you know, usage of Snowflake is, it's a huge opportunity for us to tap into that data stream um, as opposed to having to instrument that from uh, to, from, from scratch. And so anyway, so we developed a, uh, integration that makes it, you know, much more simple. Uh, so you don't have to do a lot, ton of custom engineering work to actually get that data piped into amplitude. Um, we're kind of agnostic to the source. We, you know, we're not, you can send it to us directly from your servers. You can use a CDP. You can now with Snowflake integration, you can send it from something like Snowflake. And so it just unlocks a whole nother set of data, uh, in a place customers were already trying to collect it and manage it already. Uh, for amplitude. So um, it's early. So, you know, we still have, uh, you know, we're only uh, have just started uh, having a few customers in beta testing it out, but uh, really excited about that. And just, you know, one, of, I think it's one of the biggest places from a product data standpoint that uh, has been unlocked, uh, you know, because of, uh, because of this integration. And so, you know, we'll continue doing more stuff like that. And the idea is just to make it easier and easier to get set up and started on amplitude. Great. And then just as a follow-up, you know, one of the things you guys are investing a lot in post the direct listing is just the go-to-market strategy. Strategy. So could you give us an update on kind of how sales ramping is hiring and are you seeing any sort of impact from a tight labor market? Yeah, I think we're doing actually well there. As kind of, I think Matt reminded me kind of during Investor Day, I think we feel really great about kind of first the story that we're able to tell both in the market and the customers. 
and the success that we're actually having in terms of winning new customers and expanding customers, I think all of those actually bodes well as you're trying to compete, like you said, in a tight labor market. Uh, and we're continuing to see that we're able to grow our sales capacity at this point, so you know, greater than what we're growing on, on the revenue side. And that's intentional given you know, the pause that we took last year prudently. And so we're, we're, we're looking forward to uh, next year and, and continue to build out capacity at this point. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Elizabeth. Okay, our next question will come from Taylor McGinnis at UBS, and then we will be going to Michael Turrets at uh, KeyBank next. So, Taylor, hopefully you're out there. Yes, I am. Hi, guys. Congrats on the quarter. Um, so, just looking at the 4Q guide, you only raised it slightly, and it implies a quarter-over-quarter growth in the low single digits, which is you know, materially below the strong double digits sequential growth you guys have reported in the last several quarters. So can you maybe just talk about some, um, you know, some of the assumptions that are embedded in the 4Q guide, how the guidance philosophy might be similar or different to what we saw last quarter, and just, you know, if there is anything like one time or how we should think about that 4Q guide. Yeah, thanks for the question. I think, you know, obviously we're, you know, as kind of a new public company, we're, we want to be pretty prudent about how we're thinking about uh, the next quarter guide. I, I would say that the, the one difference is that, you know, when we gave last quarter guidance, we, we gave that towards the end of September, right before we went there, you know, our direct listing. And so we obviously had a lot more visibility uh, into that and into what we're doing uh, over the next few weeks, whereas obviously now we're a little bit earlier. And so I think that, uh, when, you know, when you think about that additional time frame, you want to just be a little bit more, uh, kind of, you know, prudently conservative about where you're looking uh, when you're guiding for the year. Uh, that makes a ton of sense. And then um, last one for me is just on dollar based on expansion rates. So that obviously continues to trend up, trend up nicely. But I guess if you look at your expansion rate, it is lower, like relative to some other usage based companies. So can you just maybe talk about like what's driving some of that difference, like how your model might be, you know, different or as we look ahead, um, how you guys, you know, expect that to evolve going forward? Yeah, I think the, the biggest difference is that, you know, because what we're doing with digital optimization, uh, I think the base of our customer early on was more, call it, in the uh, commercial SMB space in, in technology and technology and, and more companies. And so you, you do have that mix versus call it companies that are more you know, strictly on the enterprise side. Uh, as we think we mentioned prior, and we'll give an update when we do our uh, annual uh, fiscal year earnings in, in February, you know, we'll continue to see great momentum in customers over 100K and over a million. And, and as we kind of shift that business, add in additional products uh, and do those things, I think that you know, we're expecting to uh, kind of maintain a very uh, healthy net retention rate and keep our goal above 120. Awesome. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Taylor. Okay, our next question will come from Michael Turrets at KeyBank, and then uh, he'll be followed by Koji Akita at Bank of America. Michael, you out there? Yeah, I'm unmuted. Uh, there we go. For videoing, but or videoing, but in, in any case, I think you can hear me. So, uh, sp- oh, yeah, okay, hang on a second. Let's see if that helps. Uh, hey, Michael, sorry, you're just cutting out right there. All right, Michael, you should be able to start your – great. Thank you so much. There we go. There we go. Great. Lovely colors. <laughs> um, right, guys. Uh, thanks. In any case, um, uh, one for you, Spencer, and um, uh, right, and then for, for Yuan also. So, Spencer, I, the um, I, one of the things that, that really fascinates me is, is that, that, that product analytics seems to be at the intersection of a, of a lot of other different areas of product focus. 
there's some companies that are focusing on product management more broadly, some that are doing digital adoption. There are companies that are approaching this from the, from the perspective, uh, you know, even like the experience management guys have, have product, product management, excuse me, product experience. So, so I, I'm, I'd like to know with you guys really focusing on the analytics base and broadening out from there, how, how you see that expanding strategically and, how you think you'll be competing relative to some of these others, other companies in other areas that are, that are coming at product from those perspectives. Sorry. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. I I think you see a lot of companies converging on a similar ish value prop uh, because there is so much value um, out there in terms of people wanting to use data to leverage that uh, in their product and and drive revenue um, and, and growth for their business. Um, so I think that for sure is happening. Uh, from our standpoint, it, it comes back to the differentiators I mentioned earlier. So first, in terms of, you know, we've architected for the ground up from product data. Product data is fundamentally different from different types of data, um, from other types of data like marketing data or CRM data um, or log data. And so it requires a unique type of architecture and approach. And so we've done that um, when you want to answer questions about, okay, hey, what had the most positive uh, impact on the user journey, or what do my best users have in common? Um, you're coming back. Uh, you need certain ways of looking at the product data to make that successful. Um, we've also, you know, been uh, developing, you know, Amplitude for uh, nine years now, and so you know, have really robust built-out SaaS platform that uh, you know allows people to understand and and access that product data. And then, um, so you know, you've seen that with Amplitude. You know, we were number one in, in the product analytics space, and then it's about taking product analytics and then leveraging our success there into these other categories. Um, probably the best analogy I've seen is, you know, if you look at what Omniture um, and now part of Adobe has done in the marketing cloud, they leverage their strength uh, with their site catalyst analytics product for marketing uh, and then translated that to, um, uh, to uh, you know, a success in a whole marketing cloud. And so we're, we're taking the same approach with uh, the, the, the product buyer. Great. Thanks, Spencer. And then, then Huang, um, to come back to the, to the, to the guide question and, and I thought interesting and helpful response from you on, on visibility and, and when you reported this time versus last time, but maybe it'd be a good opportunity to, to walk through what, you know, the degree of visibility that you have on call it a next, you know, what next quarter basis, you know, how much is coming off the balance sheet? How much do you have in terms of linearity that, that you feel that you can, that, that you can, um, that you can see at this point? Because again, I think that that low single digit is very, very different than what you put up this quarter. Yeah, I, I think again, you know, uh, you, if we look at kind of what we kind of quoted for RPO and CRPO, I think we do actually have pretty good visibility from that standpoint. I think the, the exact revenue timing is just again, if you think about last quarter, we reported out or, or talked about it with about a week left in the quarter. So for us, it kind of, we, we, we knew, you know, we already had most of it there and we want to make sure that we, uh, we're, we're correct about that here. You know, we still pretty much have about two months left. And so it's really more about the timing risk and how much is still left in the quarter and trying to make sure that, that, uh, we're being prudent about that. And so I think as we kind of get into a cadence where we're reporting more regularly in this time, we'll use that same kind of consistency. Uh, but I do think there was a little bit of a uniqueness given the timing of the direct listing and how close it was to the end of our last quarter. Um, and so, you know, we didn't want to get so, uh, you know, it, it just didn't make sense at that point when we only had a week left and, and what we already knew uh, at that point in time. Okay, thanks, Juan. Great. Thanks, Michael. And our next question will come from Koji Aikida at Bank of America, and then we'll go to Arjun Badia at uh, William Blair. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Apologies, having a little bit of 
issues on, on my video here. Um, so, so got a question on the new customer ads in the quarter, you know, really, really nice there with 137. Is that a company record? I think that's up quite a bit, you know, both on an absolute net ads compared to last quarter and, or, and, and, uh, last year too. So is there anything we should be thinking about in the third quarter that would drive such a nice net new ads number? No, I mean, I think like we mentioned, we did have an acceleration in, in total new customers. So your, your, your math is right. I think that it's just showing that we're in the, uh, you know, that, that early stage of that market, we're beginning to, you know, both the awareness and the people understanding both the power of what we do in digital optimization and, and how they can leverage that as they move away from and get past, I should say, you know, the digital transformation uh, period. Uh, we're seeing that uptick and, uh, and we'll continue to uh, look forward to adding those new customers and kind of the, the growth that they will bring. So uh, I think you saw that last quarter and, and we continue to this quarter. Got it. Got it. Thanks, Hong. And maybe a question for you or for Spencer on the competitive front. You know, we are beginning to hear more and more about other digital product analytic vendors out there. You know, maybe can you give us an update on the competitor front and and who, if any, are you seeing during your sales cycles out there? Yeah, so I think, I, to, candidly, I mean, I'd be curious to, to hear you who you've seen, Koji, but we haven't seen a ton uh, in product analytics um, within our, our kind of core target buyer, which is in the enterprise. I think like any SaaS company, you see a bunch of folks at the low end um, in SMB and commercial. That's something that we're always watching carefully uh, to make sure that we're always, uh, you know, maintaining our, our number one position and continuing to build on it. Um, I think um, the, in, in terms of, um, you know, I, I, I'd say within the enterprise, the biggest competition is other ways of solving the same problem. So either teams building it in-house uh, through a BI uh, tool or something like that, or trying to force fit marketing analytics. So we're actually not seeing, there's not been that much that's changed, at least from our standpoint, in terms of uh, on a deal basis and, and with customers in terms of what they're choosing for product analytics in the enterprise. Got it. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thanks, Koji. Okay, our next question will come from Arjun at William Blair, and then we'll wrap up with uh, Tyler Radke at uh, City. Arjun? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks, Jason. Uh, Spencer, maybe maybe one for you. I want to follow up on uh, Michael Turret's question about this just broader kind of customer experience space, and I want to maybe get your perspective on what role, if any, you think qualitative customer feedback from a product perspective, what role that plays in kind of Amplitude's future vision, if if any, and if there's any plans that you have to uh, maybe incorporate that into uh, into your roadmap over time? Yeah, uh, we, we don't have any plans uh, when it comes to qualitative feedback. I think qualitative feedback is an important uh, uh, signal or channel for product leaders to be able to understand their customers. Um, you know, we're very much focused on the quantitative, you know, it has, if it has to do with the user journey and product data related to it, uh, that's what we want to be best in class with. Um, and so, you know, being the system of record for that and everything, um, you know, obviously it's a, you know, it's a, it's an overlapping buyer. And so, you know, there could be a future where, where that's interesting to us, but right now, you know, we're, we're very focused on everything within, you know, digital optimization and, and kind of the core of, of product data. Okay, um, understood. And then just as you think about the the product roadmap over time, I think you've laid out a maybe a goal of launching one to two new products um, a, a year. If, if, so two questions on that. Maybe first, if you think about in broad strokes, if there's any kind of uh, sense that you can give us of where you intend to focus those product investments uh, over the next year or so. And then two, when you think about 
monetization, uh, should we uh, pursue that to be uh, directly, mo those new products to be directly monetized upfront, or would you wait until there's a critical mass of adoption uh, until you start focusing on, on monetization? Yeah, so so it it, um, it depends a lot on the product. Um, I think, you know, one of the areas that we've been spending a lot of time is on the data front. So we acquired iteratively a, a data management company earlier this year, and we're looking to do a whole bunch more there, um, you know, both through eternally and, and through potentially acquisitions if, if the right opportunity comes along for us. And so, um, you know, we'll be doing a, a whole bunch more there. You know, Snowflake integration is, is, uh, is part of that as well. Um, from a monetization standpoint, it really does depend on the product. Experiment and recommend are two products that have kind of a very direct monetization path where it's like, hey, you get more value, you unlock, you know, these workflows that you weren't able to do before. Uh, and so we're able to charge for them directly. Um, there are other, you know, again, it, it depends on the product. And like for more data centric products, though, for example, that's something that, you know, we'd be looking more to give away to our customer base to help them get set up and, and properly use Amplitude. Uh, because the ROI on that, it's like we'd rather just them have it for free than, than think of that as a charge point. Um, you know, but it, 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 it varies per product. Um, you know, and it varies in the perceived value. I think the, the end goal is less on like, Hey, you know, we're going to upsell, you know, 20% from this product and 50% uh, from this product and more. Hey, we have the full answer, um, in terms of a complete suite, um, that we're able to say, Hey, we solved the product data problem for you and everything associated with it. Um, and then that's when you can get a, a real premium on what we're able to charge uh, our customers because you're no longer just solving a piece of it. You're saying you can go to the product leader and say, Hey, we're solving everything end to end, uh, when it comes to managing your, 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 uh, your digital business. Perfect. That makes sense. Uh, thank you very much, and congrats on the quarter. Thanks, Arjun. Thanks, Arjun. And our final question will come from Tyler Radke at City. Hey, Tyler. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Um, thanks for taking my question. I wanted to ask you, uh, going back to the Snowflake question, um, I guess first, was this something that you really saw strong demand for from, from your customers? And, and Spencer, you mentioned that um, it sounds like, you know, kind of in the final state uh, of the product, uh, customers on Snowflake will kind of be able to deploy Amplitude, you know, pretty, uh, pretty quickly. So I'm, I'm just curious how you're thinking about that kind of accelerating the pace of new customer acquisitions, uh, longer term. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're not forecasting any particular, you know, Hey, it's going to be this much or that much. Um, I think it's, it's kind of more of a, of a arrow in the quiver where it's like helps remove a blocker to, to getting on board with Amplitude. And one that I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about just because it's, it's like, um, you know, we can, you know, there's a whole new class of customers that really didn't have the opportunity to be Amplitude customers before, but now do. Uh, and so, you know, I'm, you know, so, so it definitely is one of the things that will help drive that. Um, but, you know, it's not like a, you know, magic bullet in itself to say, oh, all of a sudden, you know, our customer acquisition rate is going to double. And so we'll, we'll, you know, that it's, um, you know, we'll continue doing things like that, uh, in order to make it more frictionless for, for people to get set up with Amplitude. Great. And then, you mentioned in one of the, uh, I think, customer examples in, the, in your prepared remarks just around the displacing an Adobe solution. And I'm just wondering kind of what you're seeing in terms of the mix of rip and replacements versus uh, versus Greenfield, just, um, you know, where that is today and how you expect that to evolve. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, so, so to be clear, yeah, I think that that's an exciting um, example because I think that is a huge long-term potential uh, for Amplitude is to, to become um, you know, particularly as we see the product and marketing functions uh, converge over time, 
Uh, I think uh, in the vast majority of cases, though, you know, we'll be coming in alongside an Adobe or Google Analytics or, or marketing. Um, you know, in most organizations, those the product and the marketing organizations are quite distinct. And so, you know, we'll sell into the product and, you know, they'll continue using uh, whatever MarTech tools they have. Um, and so I, I think that that's probably more of an exception uh, at this point than it is the rule. Uh, but, you know, in terms of the data sets overlapping and potentially combining over the long term, it, it absolutely is a, a trend there. And so, um, you know, it's it's a, I think it's a, it's a really interesting case, which is why I was excited to share it today. Thanks so much. Great. Thanks a lot, Tyler. Okay. And with that, we'll conclude today's uh, discussion. Thanks for being on our webcast today. We look forward to seeing many of you virtually this quarter and hopefully in person next year. Take care.